It is Friday the 13th of March and this is the Monocle Minute. Today... This is not Putin saying, I intend to stand until I'm 83. This is classic Putin, he's giving himself options. Russian President Vladimir Putin's power grab. Also ahead, how one Dutch architect wants to reveal what is really happening in the countryside and a new appointment for New York's next cultural affairs commissioner. I am Marcus Hippie in London. The Monocle Minute starts now. We start in Russia, where the Duma this week approved draft legislation that could allow President Vladimir Putin to remain in power for a further 12 years after the current 2024 limit. The proposal retains a two-term limit for successors while resetting the clock on Putin's 20-year premiership. Mark Galeotti is a Russian analyst and author of A Short History of Russia. In theory, this could still be struck down by the Constitutional Court, but uh, unless that's intended as a bit of political theatre, that's not going to happen. What this simply means is that although the, the, the Russian Constitution will say that no one can stand for more than two terms as president, not even just two consecutive terms, what they will say is, but of course the clock gets reset to zero when we change the Constitution. So uniquely, Putin will actually be able to serve yet more time in office. In some ways, it's more that at the moment, this becomes a touchstone of how do you generally feel about Putin. For the the sceptical ones, the, the radicals, this is horrendous, this is a constitutional coup. But the most recent opinion polls basically show the Russian public pretty much 50-50 split. Half think, no, it's time he went, and half think that he's a sort of vital guarantor of security and would love to see him sort of more or less become secular czar. We've got to talk about the fact that this is in four years' time. This is not Putin saying, I intend to stand until I'm 83. This is classic Putin. He's giving himself options. He's laid out now this about five or six viable tracks he could take. He was never going to just simply stand down and go and cultivate his roses. So it always was a question of, well, either he stays in power or he becomes a power behind the throne or he finds some kind of halfway house transitioning out of it. This is just one more of his options. And he's going to wait and see what happens. I think in terms of his achievements, I mean, he has said one, one of his classic phrases is Russia has been brought up off its knees. It's interesting. It's not Russia has got up off its knees. Brought up. And obviously he's implying he's the guy who brought Russia up. There is no clear, likely sort of particular goal. He's got Crimea. He's got the West taking Russia seriously. So instead, it is about can he feel that he can let go? He doesn't have a successor in mind at the moment, it seems. He doesn't seem to feel, on the one hand, that he's enjoying his job, but on the other hand, that he can let it go. But there's one other factor that isn't really being considered. There's a whole bunch of cronies around Putin. Now, Putin himself is going to be pretty much fine, whatever happens after 2024, even if he steps down. Them, not so much. And probably, because it does seem to have been a change in Putin's policy in the last couple of weeks, probably it's because a lot of them who are terrified about what might happen to them and their massive ill-gotten gains when he steps down, they're lobbying him saying, you are the indispensable figure, you have to stay, because that's their protection.
you've got to realize just how small his personal circle, the people he actually talks to, it's only a relative handful, and they're all people who've done very, very well out of the status quo. And they're probably saying, boss, you know, everyone's terrified of what happens if you leave. No one wants you to go. And anyway, you know, we really would like you to stay. And he's not getting the kind of counter-argument. No one's coming along saying, actually, there's a fair number of people who are sick and tired of you. So I think it's more that... You know, he is pretty much out of touch in many ways, and the people who are around him can help paint his picture of the world. To New York now, where a new interesting name will be in charge of the city's cultural offerings. Bill de Blasio may not have cut it as a US presidential candidate, but with his mayoral eye firmly back on New York City, he made a bold move this week with the appointment of Gonzalo Casals, as the city's new cultural affairs commissioner. The post has been controversy-ridden in recent years. The previous incumbent, Tom Finkelpearl, left after disagreements over how to rethink the city's public monuments. The head of Soho's Leslie Lohman Museum, Casals, who's originally from Argentina, has been a pioneer of LGBTQ rights. Inclusion is clearly planned as a hallmark of his tenure, which starts on April 13th with a focus on more representation for gay and minority communities, making cultural offerings in the city more accessible and diverse. Now holding the purse strings for the city's mostly non-profit cultural institutions, he may have the influence to do something about it. Up next, thanks to one Dutch architect, Monocle's design editor Nolan Giles has learned much about what's going on in the countryside. My exposure to the countryside usually arrives on my London desk in the form of an invitation to a nicely designed rural hotel opening in a manageable distance from the capital. The dress code for these types of events rarely requires wellies. So it was something of a shock to the system when Countryside, a report, a beautiful book compact enough to fit in the pocket of a barber jacket, landed in front of me with a thud this week. It's by Dutch architect Rem Koolhaas, and it's a dense piece of work that analyzes what is really happening in the lands beyond our cities. And it's a lot. Through text, infographics, and dazzling imagery, the book examines everything from how Siberians are managing the rapid thawing of their province in the face of climate change, to how the Dutch are combining both ancient farming techniques and complex data research to revolutionize growing. Because these innovations are all happening in the countryside, it means, as Coolhouse himself points out, we never hear about them. The Dutchman is out to change this, with the stories this piece of print delves into coming to life in a more physical form at Countryside the Future, his extensive exhibition now on display at New York's Guggenheim. For those who can't get to the Big Apple, I'd advise them to have a read of Coolhouse's manifesto, preferably on a train to rural pastures where some seriously underappreciated work is taking place. For Monocle, I'm Nolan Giles. My thanks to Nolan. Then elsewhere on today's agenda, it might seem counterintuitive for any transport system to be expanding timetables at the moment, but Central Japan Railway Company has long planned to increase the number of Shinkansen bullet trains heading west out of Tokyo from 10 to 12 an hour. The reason is that from tomorrow, all Shinkansen on the route will be the N700A model capable of running at 2 
285 kilometers per hour, shaving seven minutes of the journey time between Tokyo and Osaka to less than two and a half hours. As anyone who was used to the system knows, Japan's high-speed trains leave on time and in a state of perfect cleanliness. So in preparation for the shortened gap between train departures, JR Central's cleaning crews have knocked two minutes off their usual routine, sweeping through the 16-car trains in 10 minutes flat. And Monocle's editors have spent a lot of time in Paris over the years, and this weekend will be the first chance to harvest the fruit of a new collaboration focused on the French capital. We have teamed up with French newspaper group Les Echo to create a Franco-English guide that highlights our favourite 75 experiences, places to see and things to do in the City of Lights. From the best booths to back at our favourite restaurants to top tennis courts, shops, architectural curiosities and a boat trip, the Paris 75 supplement sleeps beyond to the touristy tat and introduces first-timers and long-time residents to a few under-the-radar finds to get the city's best bits. Monocle subscribers will find the guide in our forthcoming April issue of the magazine, but if you can't wait, then seek out the current issue of Les Echo Weekend for a first look. Read more about today's stories by subscribing to our daily email bulletin at our website. I am Marcus Hippie. The Monocle Minute returns on Monday.